a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. We have heard this quote probably many times. This can be true in several ways, especially when it comes to the Christian and how he relates to God. The scriptures quote Jesus on Judgment Day as saying to some who claim to be followers of Christ, I never knew you. Depart from me. Those are about the most chilling words to ever hear, that a supposed Christian did not pursue a relationship with God. You see, it's kind of like if I go to the White House and say that I know the President and want to enter the White House, I'd get laughed at. But if the President comes out and says, I know him, let him in, I'm going in. Do you have a close, two-way relationship with God? Hello, and welcome to God's Word for You for today from Liberty Lake Church. Today we have a special message by Pastor Ron Miller. We'll be taking a look at several passages, so start by taking out your Bible and opening it to the book of John, chapter 17, verse 3, and follow along with Pastor Ron as he explores the relationship between God and the Christian in the message titled, Do You Know God? Adult in church. Boy, let the kids go. It's really good. Okay, am I on? Okay, good. Uh, I wanted to share some thoughts with you because St. Patrick's Day is over. You all did notice that, right, that it ended? And we just have two weeks before uh, Easter. And uh, you've already had some introduction to the whole idea of Easter. And I just wanted to share something that's been a part of my life recently Um, And just maybe this will help us to get ready for Easter. Now, to do this, I'm uh, going to use an illustration of something that I assume you are familiar with. And uh, that is a fruit by the name of an avocado. Can we put the avocados up there? That's not the avocados. See, there we go. Okay. And I'm assuming that everybody here today is familiar with avocado. Is there anybody in here who is not familiar with an avocado? That's good. Because I need to tell you that back in the 1960s, my wife and I moved from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Dallas, Texas. One week into Dallas, Texas, she's visiting at the Piggly Wiggly grocery store. Can you imagine naming a grocery store Piggly Wiggly? And she sees these things sitting in a counter. And she looks at this, and she has absolutely no idea what this is. So there's a nice lady there standing at the counter, and she says to the nice lady standing at the counter, what is that? And she said, well, honey, that right there is an avocado. And my wife said, well, what do you do with it? She said, oh, you just do such wonderful things with avocado." Well, my wife's comment is, as the lady walked away, you'll never get me to eat one of those things. Of course, we've eaten quite a few of them since then. All right, I want to take the avocado, and I want to ask you a question. This is a very simple question. Do you know avocado? And I suspect that you may come up with one of five answers. Here's the first answer. 
Avocado is a really nice shade of kind of gray-green, and it's very popular today to paint on the walls of your house. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Okay, number two answer. Well, yes, I am familiar with avocado. I, I know which things are avocados and which things are apples and which things are pears and which things are oranges. And these are not avocados. And yes, I'm familiar. I know avocado. Number three answer. Do you know avocado? Yes, well, I believe that avocados are grown in either South America or Mexico. And I understand that there are quite a few different varieties of avocado. There are the Haas avocados. They're the ones that you're willing to pay 49 cents for at the grocery store. And then there are other kinds of avocados as well. Yes, yes, I know avocado. And then there's a fourth answer to the question, do you know avocado? And that is a person who tells you, yes, I know all about avocado. I know how to cut the avocado so that you don't cut your finger off and you get the stone out. I know that you can make oils out of avocado. I know that it's a fruit that's low in sugar and it's actually good for you to eat. I know a whole lot of things about avocado. And then there is a fifth answer. Do you know avocado? And the fifth answer is, yes, I eat them. Now, who do you think knows avocado the best? Because there seems to be five ways to answer the question. And it all has to do about one word. No. K-N-O-W. No. Very interesting word in preparation for Easter. I want to set the scene for you. We are a week before crucifixion, the Lord Jesus Christ is meeting in the upper room with his disciples, and he prays a prayer for them. And the prayer contains some very interesting statements. One of them has jumped out at me. This is part of his prayer, called often the high priestly prayer. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they know you, referring to God, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now listen, Jesus knows, if we assume he is who he says he is, that he is about to leave this earth. This is one of the last things he will say to his disciples. And what does he say? that this is my prayer for you, that you know God. What did Jesus mean when he prayed that you might know God? Well, I think there are five possible answers to that. And since we've just gone through the avocado, we all know what these five possible answers are going to be, right? Here's the first possible answer. Do you know God? Well, I know something about gods. Uh, I think I got their zombies. Aren't they gods? No, no, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, there's another answer. Do you know God? Well, yes, I, I know God. As a matter of fact, I have a little angel bell on my motorcycle. 
Well, that's nice, but I'm not sure that that's what Jesus had in mind when he said that you might know God. Then there's the third answer. Well, do I know God? Uh, well, yes, I, I think I've read the Bible, at least some of it. And I went to Sunday school when I was a kid, and I used to go to church, but I don't go to church anymore. But, uh, yeah, I, I know some things about God. I, I, I go there on Easter. I go to church, and I go there at Christmas time and go to church. I, I, know, I, I know God. And then there is the fourth answer. Do you know God? Yes, I know God. I am an expert on God. I have got a huge library filled with God books. And I've read a lot of them. I've been educated to know about God. I know about the Reformation. I know about dispensationalism and covenant theology. I know about water baptism, whether you baptize three times in, three times out, one time in, one time out, poured, sprinkled, whatever. I know all about God. Now, before we looked at the fifth response to do you know God, I want you to ponder a couple of things. Because I'm pretty sure that for a lot of us to know God means to know a lot about God. So I want you to ponder the fish aquarium. When I was a kid, I convinced my parents to buy me a 40-gallon fish tank, and I raised these little tropical fish in this fish tank. I was just fascinated by these fish. You ever, anybody ever have raised fish? Aren't they fun? Here they are, they're swimming around in there. I mean, I put little castles in there, put little... Uh, um, growing things, little leaves and stuff, little plants, and you'd watch them. They'd I'd go over by the tank, and they'd scoot, they'd hide. They, they just had a great time in there. They knew all about their little 40-gallon tank. But I, as far as I know, not one of them ever got out of the tank and saw the outside world. That was it. I also had an interesting experience this last summer. Uh, we were visiting in Arkansas. Our son and daughter-in-law are both professors in Arkansas. One teaches at the University of Central Arkansas. One teaches at Hendricks College. And my daughter-in-law said, hey, listen, our school at the University of Central Arkansas has opened a new planetarium. Would you like to go? Well, I haven't been to the planetarium for so many years. I was a kid. I loved to go to the planetarium in Philadelphia. Well, he said, yeah, let's go to the planetarium. We've all been to the planetarium. Sit there and you look at this whole thing. Well, they came out, the guy comes out, gives you the usual spiel in the planetarium and gets to the whole thing. And then he finally gives to us these interesting figures. And he said, in the past, we have always known that our universe is just one in a universe of two trillion galaxies. Now, that kind of boggles my head because... Two trillion, I, I don't even hardly figure that. And then he went on to say, but listen, things have changed. And now I'm able here in the new planetarium with new equipment that we have to show you that there are more galaxies than that. And he blew up the whole sky with a whole bunch of galaxies. And he said, now we estimate there are 700 sextillion galaxies. That's a 700 with 23 zeros. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like a fish in a fish tank. 
what do I know? What do I even know about the place I live? Much less know God. What did Jesus have in mind? I'm always fascinated with this passage. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I actually keep this always in my mind because I'm always looking forward to what's ahead. Let me read this to you. As it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor any heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I can't even imagine what God is like. What did Jesus mean when he said, this is my prayer, that you know God? What? Even in the Old Testament, I love the story of Job. Listen to Job. Job chapter 36, verse 26. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his days is unsearchable. I know that you can do all things, God, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Sixty-six times Job uses the word to know in relationship to God, and he concludes, we can't even begin to know you. What did Jesus mean when he said, my prayer is that you know God? I don't think he was referring to answers one through four. They all have to do with knowing about God. He prayed that you might know God. I want to suggest that knowing God is experiencing God. It's like eating the avocado. It's different. It's not the same as having information. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3 says, Indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, who have tasted of the heavenly gift. So here's my question to you. If knowing God has to do with experiencing God, what does that look like? How do you do that? How do you eat the avocado? And how do you know God experientially? Did you all watch the most spectacular funeral services this last couple of weeks for Dr. Billy Graham? Dr. Billy Graham was a pretty amazing man, whether you agree with him or not. Pretty amazing. He spoke to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And he had a rather clear message. His message was that you can know God personally. He invited people to come to the front of an auditorium, to know God personally. Maybe some of you did that. I want to tell you my own little personal story. So we got a black screen up there we can put up, or just blank now. Uh, most of you know our story. My wife and I ran away. Wait a minute. You, know, you cover your ears. No, I don't want you to hear this. Is there anybody else here? No, the rest of you are Okay. My wife and I ran away. I was 17 years old. She was 16 years old. I was in college. She was still in high school. And we were very mature. 
So uh, we ran away. I uh, got a marriage license in the state of Maryland, uh, which was only 50 or 60 miles from where I was going to college. And don't ask me. We won't go into how I got the marriage license because you had to be 21. I was 17, but that's okay. Uh, and we got some crazy guy to marry us, and we were married. But we decided we weren't getting married to tell anybody because she still had to finish high school. I had to finish college. So we didn't tell anybody. It was just like a step up from being engaged or maybe going steady. So we were, we were married. Well, eventually we told our parents. But they were very upset. I don't know why they were so upset. You know, We were nice kids. We were good kids. We didn't get in trouble. So you might think, now that we have been married 62 years, this thing has worked out so beautifully. It was just miraculous. Look, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, and then all these years together. With, hey, that wasn't that way. Not that way with anybody. Now, all of the problems that we have ever had in our life have involved God. See, because my wife, when she was about, what, 14, 11, she had an experience with God at a camp. She would tell me about it. Now, I knew about God. See, I was number three. I went to church. I was even better than number three. I was the head of the youth when I was a kid growing up in, in the church, uh, head of the youth program. I knew a lot about God, but she knew God. And we used to fight pretty much about this. As a matter of fact, this became so bad because she found a great church to go to, and I didn't want to go to her church because they talked about experiencing God, and I didn't want to experience God. I wanted to get more information about it. And finally it came down to, you know, this thing has got to be settled. So one Sunday morning, short, long story short, one Sunday morning I said to her, okay, I'm going to go to church with you. She said, what? Yeah, I'm going to church with you. Ah, okay, I'm going. She said, are you going to Sunday school too? I'm going to Sunday school too. So, okay. So we went to this church. I'd been there before. I'd heard the message before. I sat there in the church. I had to go through Sunday school class first. It was awful. It was the worst Sunday school class I've ever been to in my life, still to this day. The worst. And this guy is reading from John. I think he had been teaching in John for 100 years. And he was up to uh, John chapter 8, verse 32, which talks about knowing the truth and the truth setting you free. And it was like, did you get that, Ron? And I, I just sat there in my seat, nobody said anything, and I suddenly realized, I got to surrender here. I'm under attack. And so I'm sitting in the seat there, and everybody's going on with the class, which was terrible. I didn't care about missing it anymore, and I said, okay, God, I give up. I give up. I want to know. I want to know the truth. I surrender. You do whatever you want in my life. I don't care. I give it all up. It's yours. And the Sunday school class ended. At the end of the Sunday school class, I said to Barbara, well, <clears throat> I gave my life to God today. What? Yeah. And from that day on, our lives 
changed. What did Jesus mean when he said, I pray that you know God? Does this have something to do with surrendering to him? Is that really the right word? To know God? We surrender everything. All. It's not about knowing about him. It's about knowing him, experiencing him, eating the avocado. Now, some of you are old enough to have sung this song in church. Uh, I'll put the word to that up song. Justin Van Der Ven, what's his name here? This guy's got a name you can't pronounce. Van Deventer. <clears throat> he wrote this song in 1896, a little older than most of the rest of you. All to Jesus, I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. You ever sung that song? Do you know the story about the song? Probably not. <laughs> well, this guy, Justin Van Van Dieter, he was born in a farm in Michigan. And uh, he went to college, and he graduated in college to teach high school art. And he was a high school art teacher for a number of years, very active in his church. This is, you know, 18, late 1890s. And uh, the people in the church kept saying to him, you, you need to be an evangelist. And he said, I, don't know, I can't be an evangelist. They kept saying, yeah, you need to be an evangelist. Now, I couldn't be an evangelist. And it kept on and on and on. And finally, one day, he said, okay, God, I surrender. And God gave him the words. And he wrote the words down, 1896. And he quit his job. And he became an evangelist. By 1930, he was hanging around because he had moved with his family to Florida, a place called Florida Bible College. In the 1930s, he was there at the Bible College and he loved students, and he spoke on many occasions at Florida Bible College, and he invited students to his house. Oh, there was somebody else there at the same time. I think his name was Graham. And it was this man who influenced Billy Graham so much. Now, I got to tell you, surrender sounds difficult. Who wants to surrender anything? That's like giving up. That's like saying, I can't do it anymore by myself. You can do anything you want with me. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to even cry out in any other way. I surrender. It's embarrassing. It's tough to surrender. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of you were around in uh, 1945 <clears throat> on September the 2nd. It was a great day for a lot of people. In the, to in the Bay of Tokyo, on this day, on the USS Missouri, the emissary for the Japanese government and military sat on this ship and signed the surrender papers. And just to put icing on the cake, the Allied forces literally threw hundreds and hundreds of planes overhead the ship, over top of the ship. And that poor man is sitting there signing the surrender. 
He must have been humiliated. He must have been so discouraged. He must have been so upset with where he was. He had been defeated. But for Japan, surrender was just a new beginning. By 1951, Japan had changed everything. And what that poor man had to think was the end and the horrible, awful stigma of defeat suddenly became a picture of a new beginning. Is surrender to God to know him? I don't know. You'll have to decide that. I had an interesting conversation with a young man while we were living in Europe. He was from Serbia. And if you ever met a Serbian, they're pretty cocky. And in this conversation, he said to me, you ever been to Belgrade? Has anybody here ever been to Belgrade? Other than me. Okay. You haven't? That's good. Because I hadn't at the time either. He said, have you ever been to Belgrade? Well, I don't know what that means. He said, well, do you know Belgrade? I, well, yeah. It's the capital of Serbia. And he said, no. He said, no. Do you know Belgrade? He said, well, yeah, there's the Dava River and the Danube, and they come together there in, in Belgrade, and they flow on. He said, no. He said, do you know Belgrade? So I said, what are you talking about? He said, if, have you been there? Oh, no, I've never been there. He said, then you don't know. Interesting, isn't it? Do you know? Is there a picture that emerges here? Jesus prayed prior to his time on the cross that those who would follow him would know God. Did it have to do with surrender? Did it have to do with submission? Did it have to do with an experience? Did it have to do with a tasting? Is there even more? Listen to James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 4, 8. Draw near to God. 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord. Is this all about knowing God? Intimately, personally, surrendered to him? I'm not talking about something that's formal. I'm talking something that is real. A surrender to God. Not once in your lifetime. Maybe every morning when you get up. Maybe it's a surrender to God a hundred times a day during the day. Is this my life knowing God? Surrendering to him. Coming back again and again. Like we eat avocado. I got news for y'all. And I don't think things are going to get a whole lot better than they are now. I think some of you are going to go through sicknesses and problems physically, just like maybe I will. 
Some of you are going to face shortcomings in your incomes and not have the access to monies that you think you might want to have. Some of you are going to see your children struggle, your grandchildren struggle. What a blessing to see them not struggle. Some of you are going to watch and witness a world that, that looks like it's falling apart. It's going to happen. And Jesus said, this is my prayer, that you know God, surrendered to him. Now, for the past uh, couple of years, you guys got me here for a year and interrupted my time. My uh, youngest son started a church on the north side of Spokane. It's not a usual kind of church. It looks like this one a little bit, but it doesn't sound like this one, which is nothing wrong. I like this one. And this church filled up with these people called millennials. And now they even got Generation Z in there, the younger ones. Um, last year, I, I heard a song. They play their music. Probably you don't hear much of their music. I like our music, by the way. But their music is interesting. And this song was written in 2014, so it's old. Brand new to me. Now, of course, Julie, as soon as she saw the words to it, she said, oh, I know that song. But she hangs out with different people. <laughs> These are the words to the song, at least the chorus. You want to put it up there? God of mercy, <clears throat> sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. May this offering stretch across the skies and their hallelujahs be multiplied. This is not our generation singing it. This is what's coming up among us. And they're still preaching the same words. Jesus said, I want you to know God. And maybe surrender is the right word. It's three minutes long. Listen to this song. Your love is like radiant diamond bursting inside of cannot contain your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of
he cannot contain Your love will surely come find us Like blazing wildfire Singing your name God you for what's coming up after us some of us older ones I'm encouraged well taste how good God is just like that avocado day after day Billy Graham said it's an experience this guy said I surrender all and a new generation is saying let God have full control every day, every moment of your whole life ahead. And go tell the world about it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, who are we to think that we will ever understand all there is to know about you? But in your mercy, in your love, in your graciousness to us, you are inviting us to surrender, to trust you, to let you be the master and the director of our lives. Not just today, every day, day after day, until we go home or until you come. Thank you, Father. In your son's name, amen. Tell people that you went to church today and you heard about how an avocado teaches you about God. But maybe it does. Lord God, I just pray you'd bless these folks.
I thank you for them. And I pray that your presence would be felt in this place, in this neighborhood, in this greater city that we're all part of. Not only do we want to delight in our surrender to you, but we would love to see others come to that same place. Not because we're special. We just have a message. And as we anticipate Easter, use us to bring glory to you, praise to your Son, in his name. Thank you for listening to today's message from Liberty Lake Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. Our pastor, our elders, and our prayer watch team are available to pray with you or to answer any questions you may have. Contact us through www.LibertyLakeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you and welcome any comments you may have. As always, we appreciate your prayer support. Join us next week on God's Word for You for Today for another message from Liberty Lake Church. Thank you again, and God bless.